With over 140 pavilions, 110 restaurants, and 80 participating nations, the 1964 World's Fair featured showcases predicting the future. But one display from Walt Disney and General Electric stood out from the crowd by detailing just how far we've already come. With scenes starting out at the turn of the 20th century and eventually going all the way to the new millennia, this attraction makes technology the star. This week on Slice of Disney, Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Me, so there's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Just a dream away Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney-goer and real-life great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Oh, that is not where I thought you were going. <laughs> where do you think I was going? Well, you're clearly Uncle Orville. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Like, that is... Very true. much so. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. are. If we were in a house and... It's really hot. It's like 100 degrees out and everyone's uncomfortable. Will is definitely in the bathroom using all the air conditioning and making everyone else just miserable. Yeah. Sorry. You should have gotten in here first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm also a great big beautiful tomorrow because that song has been stuck in my head for like five days now. It's not going to leave. I didn't want to tell you this fact until we talked right now. So I obviously am a big musical theater nerd. And my brothers followed in my footsteps for a little bit. And Brian sang this song for auditions. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. <laughs> Look for that content on our Patreon. Thanks, How Brian. Cute. I know. Oh, if we can find that, definitely going on. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Brian will sue. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Today's attraction is Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. And I felt like doing the research and rewatching it gave me a lot of nostalgic feelings, which is part of their goal, so good job. But between that and Marceline, I have a lot of feelings right now. I mean, I always have a lot of feelings, but like right now I have a lot more. I was going to say, that's not out of the ordinary. (laughs) Well, well, Kelly, what are your feelings? I'm like, I'm just frustrated. I love Disney so much, and I feel like when going to Marceline or working on this, obviously Disney has never been a perfect company. Obviously making money is the most important But there was so much more heart. And I loved the fact that so many of these attractions and things that were important were all about keeping your imagination, never letting go of that like childlike wonder. And and they were educational. Yeah, I agree. In having read about this ride, um, I don't think I've been on it or if I have, but it's been a very long time. Uh, But having read about it and obviously getting more familiar with some of these uh, attractions that were created um, in the first iteration of Disney um, and this World Fair, it did seem like there was like a purpose behind a lot of the rides that went beyond. um, Just like pure entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. That went went, went beyond just like kind of making money. But there was was an added layer there too. Uh, And, you know. I, I don't know that that's entirely at the feet of Disney for making these choices and changes. I think that's just kind of the way that our society has shifted as well. But at the same time, yeah, no, I get what you mean. The, it is kind of a bummer to see the evolution of this 
company into like the brand that it is now, which is still super successful and providing me a lot of enjoyment, but also very clearly, like anytime I read about them in the news or I see like a Disney headline come up, I'm like, oh no, no. (laughs) (laughs) what did they do? I'm watching Succession right now and I'm like, there's some parallels that kind of freak me out. There's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. I, so I, and I don't want to start this podcast like every time being such a downer because I feel like I have been a couple times. Well, that's not on us. That's on Disney. If they want us to start the podcast happier, then they need to make better decisions. I'm, look, as Tinkerbell, I'm using all the pixie dust I got. And it's still not working as well as it would like to. But like, I can use pixie dust. Most people can't. So we've had to use technology. To get us through the ages. Okay, there you go. Hey, I did it. <laughs> that's great. It's great. Yeah, and that's that's what the whole that's what Carousel of Progress is all about. To give you a summary, uh, the Carousel of Progress is a rotating theater audio animatronic stage show. It's considered, and this is a fact that I've like always known. And as a theater kid, I'd be like, mm-hmm, I do you know the longest running stage show? And everyone's like, Friend of the Opera. I'm like, no. It's a carousel of progress. <laughs> it's a shocker. You didn't have more friends as a kid. <laughs> well, my only friend is you. <laughs> but it is also one of the oldest attractions of all the Walt Disney World Resort rides. And it is the oldest attraction at Walt Disney World that Walt had his hands in. And that's because this was one of the attractions that moved from the World's Fair to Disneyland and then later to Disney World. And it wasn't alone in traveling back to Disneyland. But before it does, let's get to the beginning. Let's do it. So in 1964, uh, General Electric was like, hey, we're going to be going to the World's Fair. Oh, wait. Actually, it comes before that. Actually, our story starts in the late 1950s after Disneyland was already such a huge success. Walt Disney obviously being the creative he was, was like, okay, I got to do more. So he had come up with two different districts of Main Street USA. There was going to be an International Street and an Edison Square. I think that that sounds very cool. I mean, you know, it, it seems like International Street was probably like a precursor to Epcot. And now Edison Square, yeah. we kind of know what ends up happening there, right? So well, what was going to be on Edison Square? Uh, Edison Square was going to, it was going to be a square and it was going to have one main attraction called Harnessing the Lightning. Ooh. That, I know. <laughs> that sounds like a movie. Uh, like sounds like an Oscar movie or something. <laughs> really? Me. I thought it sounded like a kid's movie at best. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Oscar winning kid's movie. <laughs> Harnessing the Lightning. Harnessing no, no, that's not a movie. <laughs> Uh, and it would be hosted by an electromechanical man named Wilbur K. Watt. Um, this was at a time before they have perfected their audio animatronics. So they he already has this idea of audio animatronics, but we're not quite there yet. Technology hasn't caught up, which is partially why they ended up having to scrap this idea because technology wasn't there yet. That seems sure. to happen a lot to Walt Disney. <laughs> it does, it does. So after they scrapped it and moved on with their lives... Then in the 1960s, side note, GE is having like a whole ton of issues. I had no idea about any of this. And I, yeah, it's Me neither. Crazy. And I had, I went down a deep rabbit hole of researching GE in the 1960s. They were accused of promoting the largest illegal cartel in the U.S. since the adoption of the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890. So during this time, 29 companies and 45 executives would be convicted. 
$50 million in damages and many execs going to jail. And then some just straight up fled the country. Which is wild. I know like... (laughs) What a scandal. What a scandal. We don't get scandals (laughs) like that anymore. We have plenty of scandals. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Don't don't wish more scandals on us, Will. Well. It's like a TV show. Right. So in order to save face, GE reached out to Walt Disney in 1963 to help collaborate with them on the World's Fair. And luckily, this idea fit perfectly with Walt Disney's idea for the Edison Square. So they were able to create this story. And now we are deeper into the audio animatronics because the Tiki Birds have already been a huge success. He is working on Mr. Lincoln for the same World's Fair. And we also have It's a Small World going on. I don't know if those animatronics are the most advanced, but there's something going on there too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, it, you know, we remember with Small World, they, that was a very uh, crunch time frame anyway. So like, the, I, think the, I think the bigger development around animatronics was the uh, Hall of Presidents or the Abraham Lincoln. Um, and like, as you said, the Tiki Birds, that was really kind of what, what got this stuff put, technology put into place so that they could start expanding on this too. Right. And along with the animatronic performers, the Imagineers, Roger E. Brogy. And our boy, Bob Gurr, uh, they devised a carousel theater that would allow the stages to stay stationary, but then the theater itself would move so you would get to see different scenes uh, without having to get up and move. Because initially, the idea was this show, the audience would get up, move, go to the next stage, get up, move, go to the next stage. This took that away. So have you seen uh, Les Mis? Like so many times. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of that. It's like where they have the, the, the stage on Les Mis where it rotates and the actors seem like they're walking around even though they're not really and you're in the audience. This is where like the stage stays in the middle and your seats rotate around it. So you're seeing like one scene here and then it rotates and you see another scene and then you see it rotates and you see another scene um, just to help with the visualization there for, for people that are listening. The, the stage moving itself to make it look like the actors are moving is a pretty typically used stage effect. Another pretty typically used stage effect that they used in this is the scrims being able to tell different stories. So technically there are um, places on the stage that are moving in order to show different scenes. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that's very technical. So That's the visual of what's happening. But then you got to talk about what it sounds like. Here are Disney's favorite songwriters, the Sherman Brothers, who were already working on It's a Small World. So Walt Disney said, hey, can you just write another song? I like the idea that like they're writing It's a Small World, one of the most iconic uh, songs associated with Disney. And Walt's like, hey, can you just write another song? <laughs> <laughs> like we we just gave you this thing that's timeless. Sure, yeah, we need. Yeah, yeah, I get that, but I need another classic. Like we'll just right write now. An, sure, yeah, write another song. <laughs> but they did. Yeah, they did. They're pretty amazing, and this song, "There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow," is once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Yeah, so be warned. <laughs> if you're not as familiar with this ride or this show, actually, um, then you might not know it. But once you hear it, you really can't unhear it. And the Sherman Brothers have stated that they believe that this song is Walt's theme song because he was so optimistic and excited about the future and technology itself, which we obviously see through like anything he touched has that implemented in it. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. So if you're not familiar with it, the lyrics are 
basically there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day um there's a great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's just a dream away and then i think it just repeats that over and over yeah there's more lyrics oh there's more to it well either way it it is this idea of dreaming about what why didn't you go go ahead and sing it for us will i'm not gonna do that oh man one one step at a time (laughs) <laughs> and so it is it is this idea of like that there is uh there's something out there tomorrow and we should like you know move towards it and it's you know something worth aspiring towards and looking forward to um and yeah it kind of makes sense to me that 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 could that could uh double as Walt's theme song too um with how much he had had done to progress towards that so i think that's why you see this uh right itself as often um associated with being one of Walt's favorites uh, right. because I think there is a lot of him in uh, this concept. Oh, yeah. I think this is kind of, this wasn't on purpose, but maybe I should lie and say it was, that this is coming after Marceline because there's such a similarity of all of the things that we talked about while being there and that experience and then on this and just like it being this story of America and of technology and growth and keep, keep going. Yeah, it's very easy to think about the kid that was underneath the dreaming tree in the early 1900s on that barn uh, being just fascinated with the with television yeah, (laughs) or with whatever progress comes in. And then we'll see that as we kind of move around this stage and explore more of this attraction. So what the people at the World's Fair are going to see is four acts. Each act is a different time period where you get to see. Um, what a quote-unquote typical American family looks like. And so you go from the turn of the century to the 20s to the 40s and then to the 60s. And you you saw the different technology changes. You saw what different activities each member of the family was kind of into at that time and what was common of those days. Um, and so that kind of sets the stage so that you know what, what these people are seeing. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll go through more in detail when we get to the final iteration that is uh, going on there right now. Um, but we just want to let you know uh, that's sort of what they're going to see at the World's Fair. So, yeah. How was it received? At the time, it was called Progress Land. And it was just a huge success. More than 200 people would enter and exit the attraction every four minutes. And it was not uncommon to have over an hour long line. Yeah, and I saw that ultimately almost 16 million visitors ended up seeing that show. Yeah. Um, Which is really funny to think about personally. Like, what were you... (laughs) uh, Say you're not a Disney-affiliated exhibit. Because we also talked about uh, It's a Small World also had a huge... And what a huge success that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) if you're somebody that's not Disney, you're just like, man, people keep going to this progress land, and I've got... (laughs) Uh, the air conditioner land over here. I spent so much time working on it. <laughs> Come over here, see what I have. Right. They. I read somewhere that they had to like build out um, a waiting area that was covered on a parking lot because of how long the lines would get for, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't for progress land. And what made it so unique was all of the things that we just talked about, the build of it, the the animatronics, the... You know, they had this effect that was called a kaleidoscope screen, and it would twinkle these dazzling lights, and then that was, you know, acting like a curtain before it would reveal these performers. Yeah. Um, And that is no longer in today's version, but that did last for many of the versions that they had that. 
and you know not to be overlooked this is also like a 20 minute show so like it's 20 minutes and 45 seconds 20 minutes and 45 second you're welcome uh, show thank you <laughs> and uh so to get that many people to experience that is uh it has to be pretty uh it has to be pretty cool but also at the same time i think you're offering me a 20 minute break where i get to sit down and watch a show i'm probably pretty intrigued by that too so i think it's just kind of the right mix of everything um to be like a resounding success i would say that's one of its most appealing things today is that it's this in the hot florida sun and you have air conditioning for 20 minutes yeah not gonna lie on my uh perusal for the yelp reviews of this particular attraction a lot of people commented on the ac <laughs> that's what makes it a hit <laughs> <laughs> but ac technology it's a star there you go dun, dun, dun. once the carousel would end uh fairgoers would be invited to walk up to a second floor where you would see general electric's sky dome spectacular uh, the Skydome Spectacular was basically like a planetarium, but instead of being about the planets, it would be about nature and energy. Yeah, it's interesting because this uh, ride, this attraction, walks pretty firmly hand in hand with General Electric, as you might imagine, for a long period of its history. And then at a certain point, it diverges, um, and we will ultimately get to that. Uh, but I think it's one of those things that we see uh, this relationship. We see that Disney has had a lot of relationships with sponsors outside of the company um, throughout its history. And it seems like they're almost always better served when they're not um, having to like answer to someone else. Right. Cause we see that with, uh, we saw that with some of the early 1990s rides where they had like some stuff that was sponsored by Energizer. And we've seen that, um, with some of these other things too. And it seems like those corporate agreements are very helpful, but at the end of the day, they almost always end up stifling some of the creativity. Yeah. This one is interesting to me because I wonder if that is the same for this because I, it's telling the same story. Um, and then, you know, this was that, getting to see this like planetarium like skydome spectacular was supposed to be very beautiful with all these projected images and then the other part of this pavilion was you would get to go up and view progress city this is disney this was not ge okay um so this was a 160 foot scaled model that was built one eight uh was built at one eighth inch to the foot it occupied six thousand nine hundred square feet of space it used twenty-two thousand uh scaled trees and shrubs four thousand five hundred structures lit and one thousand four hundred working street lights street lights that were each an inch tall this was like an extremely extremely detailed model what happened to that well progress city was actually walt disney's model of epcot oh okay that's cool because, you know, Walt Disney had this whole idea that, like, everyone's going to live in this utopia. So Progress City was then afterwards was moved and you would be able to see it uh, at, at Disneyland at the second floor. Now, um, a little piece of it is now at the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. Like, on the People Mover ride, you'll see part of it. It's only a small chunk of it. I do not know where the other parts are. That's a mystery. Hmm, I can tell you it's... Uh... I don't have it. I, d I totally thought it was you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's wild to see this model. 
Um, we can put a picture of it up online because it is so detailed. And you see like them walking around on it and you're like, what? Like, it's hard to imagine. I gave numbers of how big it is, but it's so hard to imagine just how big that is. I'm going to ask you this question. Was there like in Disney World, was there like an Imagineering station or something? Or like, I feel like back when I was a kid and I went to some type of theme park, I think it was Disney World. And it was like, you went into this one area and it was like, I think Imagineering was in the name of it. And it was like, you got to see like, this is what the uh, kitchen of the future might look like. And here's some video games that you can play. And here's um, other stuff. You're thinking of um, innovations. Yes, innovations. Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't exist anymore. That's okay. I just remember thinking it was really cool. It was one of the things that kind of I was really into as a kid, obviously also a nerd. Um, <laughs> but I do think that there's like an appeal for this kind of stuff. And clearly there was back then too, because you're telling me about this progress city model. And I'm like, that sounds fascinating. I would love to see it. And so despite the fact that it's not... Uh, Thor fighting Iron Man. Um, there's still some really cool stuff you can do uh, that appeals to people too that I think maybe is getting overlooked. Nevertheless, uh, this was obviously a big hit at the uh, World Fair. Yes. It was such a big hit that after the World's Fair closed, the Carousel of Progress was moved to Disneyland. It was changed though from Progress Land to Carousel of Progress. In order to extend and preserve the show permanently, G said yes. We're still in. Obviously, our partnership is going great. So Disneyland started construction in 1966 to prepare to bring the Carousel of Progress there in 1967. It was reopened, and it was part of Tomorrowland's overall facelift. When Tomorrowland opened, it was kind of a mess. Um, The big rocket ship that's the iconic piece of uh, Tomorrowland, it, it didn't go up until like two days before. It was kind of a disaster, (laughs) and Walt was overseeing the beginning of the Tomorrowland construction. He was very involved. Um, He had also done this, like, promo video to discuss the Florida project, but unfortunately, before Walt could see any of this come to life, he passed away. Right. So his hands were in the new Tomorrowland, um, but unfortunately, he did not get to see it through. It, the ride didn't open until seven months after he had passed. Gotcha. Well, that's a bummer, but I mean, that is also partly why this was one of the last rides that you'd said, or attractions or or, or uh, shows that Walt really had his hands on. But I'm curious, did they bring all of it, or did they just bring, like, the carousel? They basically just brought the, like, show. They rebuilt the building, and they made it a two-story building again um, on the top where the, the, the bottom level was going to be the stage. And... Um, All the performers were the same. They remained in their original condition. But there was a couple new things. So there were some new voices. And they changed to Christmas um, in the home in the 1960s. It was a little updated and added some new references to like General Electric's campaign that they were working on. (laughs) Right. And these are the kind of things that people notice. And I love that. One of the changes was that father from... Home of the 1940s, sat on a bar stool now instead of a kitchen nook bench. Ooh, interesting. I wonder why that is. I know. Like, ooh, scandal. Scandalous. He's more manly if you sit on a bar stool. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Having his his root beer. Uh, sarsaparilla. Oh, we well, call it root beer now. <laughs> hey, you awesome. know. <laughs> yeah, I watched the show. I love it. 
Um, at the end of the show, you would go up a speed ramp and it would take you to see the Progress City. And at this time, we know that this could be coming because we know the Florida Project is underway. Right. It supposedly said that in its six-year run at Disneyland, more than 31 million people saw it. In addition to the uh, 16 million, perhaps, you know, just if we're just doing numbers here uh, from the New York, that's 47 million people. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. So it, it was only there for six years is what you're saying, though. Yeah, because in the 1970s rolled around, uh, it started to, the crowd started to dwindle. It, people were not as excited about it. And they figured out it's because most of the people there are Californians and They've already seen it a million times, so it was hard to get new people to go. So General Electric, because they're the boss man, asked Disney. Yeah, that's what I liked about this part. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I like. It says asked. I'm gonna question if it was asked or told Disney to move the show to the Magic Kingdom because they believed that okay, well, everyone's local. This is gonna get a new audience. This is gonna get huge tourism. Like now. People all over the world will know General Electric. <laughs> right. And to me, that definitely feels like one of those things where, um, you know, some marketing department or sales department was not hitting their numbers that year. And they're right. like, why not? And they're like, well, it's probably because every Californian has already seen our carousel of progress. <laughs> we have to get it to Florida. Oh, that's the answer. Right. So then the Disneyland show closed September 9th, 1973, and has moved to Florida. This was when the Project City uh, model was dissembled, and only parts, the only little piece is off of the people mover. Maybe the people dismantling it were like, mm, taking a piece home. So now that they've, now that they've, that it has left the building, as it were. Um, did anything replace that area in Disneyland? There was a show called America Sings that went in in the nineteen in nineteen seventy four, and it was a salute to American music. Um, I'd never heard of this before I moved to California. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard of this until right now. It closed in nineteen eighty eight and wasn't replaced. So, um, I don't know. So there's just kind of an empty building there. Well, now it's the Star Wars Bay, but. To me, the Star Wars Bay, the Star Wars Launch Bay, <laughs> Star Wars Bay sounds like Star Wars Bay. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Star Wars Launch Bay kind of just feels like, oh, we have this space. Let's put something in it that people will pay money for, which I'm not going to lie. I buy phone cases there, but like, I don't know. It feels. You buy phone cases there? Well, there's, it's called D-Tech and you can design phone cases. It's like a section of this area star wars launch bay it's just like look technology star wars sure huh again it feels pieced together it doesn't feel authentic yeah it sounds that way (laughs) that's just my personal opinion you know you know the star wars classic (laughs) swag phone cases they're always showing off their phone cases as stormtroopers right i do you have seen my very cute baby yoda phone case that's where that's from so so they've taken this from uh, California to Florida. In that time period during the transition, did they make any updates? I know this is a ride that has seen a number of different updates. Um, I'm not, I, I don't know if they made it at this point or not. Um, were there any big changes? Oh, you best believe there was. Okay. So General Electric signed a contract uh, for 10 more years while it was at the Magic Kingdom. But they decided, you know what, we're going to change a lot. The, it's only going to be one story. It's just going to be the theater. We're not going to do 
any of this, you know, progress city, aka Epcot. Um, and then we got rid of the kaleidoscope screens because <laughs> GE was like, that is just causing way too many technical difficulties. Let's just slap a huge silver emblem logo of ours in the middle of a curtain. Okay. That's Why does GE get to make these decisions? Whatever. They clearly <laughs> did. Um, I think it's funny that it's like, that's not nearly as cool, but yeah. okay. And instead they'd have like it light up in different colors. So it's ooh, like a kaleidoscope. Neat. Now the biggest change was they wrote a new theme song. The Sherman Brothers still created it, but GE, their whole idea was like, mm, we don't really want our customers to have to wait for a great big beautiful tomorrow. They need to know that the time is now. Technology is now and we are now. Now is the time. Now is the best time. Now is the best time of your life. Life is a prize. Live every minute. Open your eyes and watch how you win it. Yesterday's memories may sparkle and gleam. Tomorrow is still but a dream. Again, sale, uh, sales team out there is like, they just heard this song and it t- keeps telling them to wait till tomorrow. I'm sorry, I can't control it. I need the song to tell them to buy it now. <laughs> like, I, it's funny because when you were saying earlier, like when Disney collaborates, like it's not always good. And I was like, I think that the GE like World's Fair was a great collaboration. But like as time went on, you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that I was reading through as I was like, sure, I'm in the World's Fair. Why not? But as you see right. more and more, it's like. We're trying to do some, design something cool here. This isn't only to meet your your right. uh, revenue goals, GE. And as we want to celebrate Walt Disney, and the Sherman Brothers have already said that the, a great big beautiful tomorrow is like his song. They're like, scratch that. The time is now. The Absolutely, Brothers, yeah. <laughs> Emblematic. Yep. The Sherman Brothers wrote a song called "The Best Time of Your Life." Um, it's very peppy and positive. Uh. I didn't like it as much. I was like, boo. I never like saw it, but I like in listening to it, I actually had never heard it before today. <laughs> yeah, I think that seems from what I've seen, that seems to be the general consensus um, that it's not as well liked. Yes. No, it wasn't. Another big change is the voice actors. The original voice of father was Rex Allen, who's a singing cowboy. And apparently he did not know what he was getting himself into when he agreed to this. <laughs> so later on, um, once it is at the Magic Kingdom, he was replaced by uh, an actor named Andrew Duggan. And the first three sets had some cosmetic and set changes, but pretty much the same. The biggest change was that the finale, totally different. Now it's New Year's at the home in the 70s. Okay, so we're past the 60s going to the 70s, because I'm sure there was a lot of progress between the 60s and the 70s. Oh, yeah, for sure. Another thing that changes throughout all of the show is the dog. Okay. So the dog uh, is known as Rover. That's what his name is now. But he also was named Buster, Sport, and Queenie. And the show, um, when it moved from Disneyland to Disney World, the dog had a different name for each scene for some reason. Yeah, I will say, like, you're moving through time here. And for anyone who hasn't been on this ride uh, or who hasn't seen this show, each different scene, the family looks the same age. Well, like, um, it's only like, sometimes. It, well, okay, yeah. Either way, 
what it is is it seems like a typical family, quote unquote, uh, at these different time periods, um, at about the same about the same look, same age. You know, maybe maybe some of it. I'm I'm just trying to say like it is confusing as to whether or not this is supposed to be the same family that has aged 20 years in between each one, or if it's supposed to be like a time traveling family. So (laughs) that would then make sense that the dog would be different in each one in some of them, but in others it's not, I don't know. It just, it doesn't make a ton of sense is what I'm trying to get at. There's also a girl in like the first scene. That's like this mysterious little girl that never shows up again and is never mentioned. Oh no. What happened to that girl? I don't know. That's tragic. And yeah, like the the teenage girl, um, mm-hmm. Patricia, she's like a teenager and then she's in her mid-20s, but it's like 40 years has passed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there the timeline is a little wonky, but eh, yeah. it's okay. We forgive it. But at that, that final scene changed again, actually. So in the 70s, it was that way. And then they said, well, the 80s, the 80s were getting crazy. A lot is happening. So in 81, the finale was changed to New Year's Eve in the home 1980s with a new script and um, just a couple changes. Makes sense. Um, are there places where I can watch these old versions? Um, like, are those videos on YouTube? You can find you some know? on YouTube, yeah. Cool. I've only watched the most recent one, but I, I would be interested to go back and see what some of those older things, uh, what some of those older, like, final scenes are. I, I did enjoy, um, in the final scene, some of the changes that happened. Um, that you can watch on YouTube is in the final scene of the World's Fair version. It was in the 60s. Sure. And then we have the 70s, New Year's, and the dad's making chili. Then in the 80s, the dad is making a New Year's Eve omelet. Hmm. And then in the 2000s, which is the final version we'll get to, he's making a turkey. Do you have a go-to New Year's Eve food? No, I'm not really big on New Year's. Yeah. Maybe this year I will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll all be hoping. Um, get out of, get out, get out, 2020. Um, well, now, Will, I have good news for you. Oh, please. Okay, because now it is March 10th, 1985. General Electric's contract has expired. Yay, <laughs> I suppose. Do they resign? No, they do not. Okay, they, good. Yeah, they decide that, you know what, it's just not worth it, so... Um, Disney went through and kind of changed some of um, the rides, displays. Um, they made it more like Gears and kind of not steampunky because Gears are more than that, but Gears, colorful Gears. And they took away a lot of the GE symbols. <laughs> and um, the only way that you really see GE reference now is a lot of the appliances in sure. the different acts are Makes still sense. GE. Okay, cool. So, well, I'm glad that now that they now that Disney kind of owns the the creative direction of this ride, uh, do they? I gotta ask, do they go back to Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow? Oh, thank God! Yes, they, they do. Did. Okay, good, good. But it was kind of sad. So, in 1993, the ride, you know, this is a show that had been struggling, and it it, it struggled to continue to grow an audience. I think if you're not super into the nostalgic part, you know, or super into air conditioning, maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> sure. Um, and so they had actually taken it off of different theme park maps and hmm. they were making the blueprints to create a flying saucer ride inside of the building. But um, the ride was over budget. So they're like, man, never mind. We're just going to update Carousel Progress. No, well, that's, I'll take it. Yes. 
I I will too. I prefer that. Um, and they changed the theme. The new theme of Tomorrowland was the future that never was. So I don't know. It kind of like you can embrace some of the nostalgic, some of that 80s, like what people thought the future was going to look like. I always thought that was really fun to see kind of, I mean, and we're, we're still doing it, imagining what the future is going to look like in 20, 40, 50 years. And then it like, it's like, oh no, instead of flying cars, we have iPhones. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Uh, but spaceships now are so cool. Man, these astronauts, I love getting to watch the rocket launches. It is so yeah, exciting. Yeah, I know you do. So at this point, while we're in the future, we've re- so it's 1993. We're going to redo Carousel Progress. So we're changing the last scene to Christmas in the home of 2000. And then we also renamed the ride to Walt Disney's Carousel Progress. Gotcha. So now we have 2000 is the finale. I assume, are we still do? is it still like the 1900s, 1920, 1940, and then jump to 2000? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so there's a big jump there, but that's okay. I think that's, that's okay. cool. So the first act is, takes place on Valentine's Day at the turn of the 20th century, and our host, John, tells everyone about the current state of pre-electricity. He tells the audience about all of the current modern conveniences. They're all pre-electricity, so it's like, well, we can fit more ice in our ice bucket. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It's like, we have a water pump, but we have to keep a bucket of water to help prime it. It's very funny to listen to the script because it is like, it's like one of those um, assignments that you might have gotten in like elementary school where it's like, here's a list of vocabulary words, write one paragraph that that uses all 15 of these vocab words. <laughs> Wait, just, that's, that's so true. <laughs> it is. Um, it's like, and and Marsha, my wife over there, now can do the laundry in Her five days. Her name is days. Sarah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, very it's very forced, but it's very fun. Sarah could do the laundry. And she's like, yeah, it only takes me five hours instead of three days now. Now she has time for other things like canning and ironing. <laughs> like, actually, I'm sorry, it's canning and cleaning the oven. And she's like, I have to go do more laundry. Bye. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite moment is that James, the son, he's watching Little Egypt dancing the hoochie coochie on his uh, stereoscope. I Ooh. missed that. That's uh, amazing. So scandalous. And dad's like, hey, you can't be doing that. And he's like, whoa. That's how you end up uh, an Uncle Orville. <laughs> yep. You better put that away before your mom finds out. I think that's, that's so funny. funny. <laughs> we, we got scandalous times even at the turn of the century. Yeah. Uh, next, we are in Act Two, and that brings us to the 1920s, where we see the family preparing for a Fourth of July celebration. And now, father is showing off all of his new electric-powered conveniences. So we got electricity, he, baby. Hey. Uh, yeah, we he, we definitely came through there. So we have um, a vacuum, electric lights, an oven, a refrigerator. And they even have like a radio where they can listen to things now. We're listening to the John Philip Sousa March, and we're also hearing about air cooling, where a fan is blowing a block of ice. That's where Will is. He's sitting in the tub trying mm-hmm. to cool himself off. Uncle Orville. Uncle Orville. And then um, and Uncle Orville's like, there's no privacy all around this place. That's me, always asking for more privacy. <laughs> and, of course, uh, all of the electric... Uh, all the electricity going off makes a, a fuse blow, so the sun has to fix it. Yeah. Electricity is still new. You know, people are Very still having new. having trouble with it. 
My favorite moment, because we got to mention trains, is that uh, it is mentioned that people can travel by train from New York to California in three days. Doesn't that feel really fast? It does. I'm like, I just drove across the country and like, wow, three days? I'm impressed. Funnily enough, um, having just looked up Amtrak tickets from New York to Los Angeles, it would still take you three days. Wow, really? Yeah. Granted, it's with many more stops, I'm sure, but nevertheless. Still, that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, that Well, the 20s, I guess not has a lot changed in terms of railroads. <laughs> um, now we're in Act 3, which is the 1940s. So... John tells us about how he has entered the rat race, that suburban living, into commuting into the city for work. That's right. He's like, I do a thing now called commuting. And, uh, and she's like, like oh, oh, really? Yeah. The wife's like, Sarah's like, oh, my God, get with it. Like, right. this is normal now. Um, so they're setting up for Halloween in the fabulous 40s. Uh, he is wearing a he's oh, I love that in the details of this. It'll tell you, like, what kind of chair he's sitting in. Like, even that kind of thing was taken into consideration. Um, so the refrigerator can hold more food and make ice cubes. And there's an automatic dishwasher now. My favorite scene in this is Patty, the daughter, is using this old exercising machine that was all the rage in the 20s but never worked. And Patty is um, shown, like using the machine while she's on the phone uh, talking about a date she has tonight and it i don't it almost looks like there's a band around her buttocks and it's jiggling it and vibrating it and i guess that's how she's burning calories <laughs> yeah i've definitely seen that machine before not in person but i've seen it like in things before um so yeah i'm sure people out there would recognize it too and it is funny that that she's got that on and i think that's a that was a good description of it i was gonna let you just uh figure that one out yourself and <laughs> i think you nailed it yay that's rare uh <laughs> uh and then th the other automatic thing that uh you get to see is sarah is putting up wallpaper herself in the rumpus room oh, okay what a great word yeah the rumpus room i think is also a bar in downtown la is it uh, really I think so. Uh, maybe not, but it sounds like it would be. It does sound like it would. It sounds like a cool, like, they're trying to be, like, a speakeasy or something. Yeah, it sounds like the kind of place that would be, like, we're we're a dive bar, but our prices aren't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, why are we even doing this? Um, <laughs> because everyone else did it, so now you have to come here. Right. Um so that's a very fun scene. We're jumping real far uh, mm -hmm. into the fourth act. It's the 21st century. They're celebrating Christmas Eve. Grandma is playing a virtual reality game with Jim, who is now like a young adult. Mm -hmm. And Trish um, is sitting with her grandpa around the Christmas tree while Sarah is sitting doing some work at the computer. And John is um, making his turkey. And everything is automated because that's what happens in the future of 2000. And um, they can tell the lights to get brighter. They can tell the oven to turn on to a certain degree. So that's what John does. They make jokes about having to eat pizza last year because John burnt the turkey. But then the virtual reality game is like, hey, now we've reached 550. And John's like, wow, 550? So then the oven goes, 
oven 550 and no one seems to hear it and then i didn't hear that now oh, i really? get it yeah yeah because oh. i just watched this and i was like why did it? i don't know and then okay thank <laughs> and you then for it goes explaining up to it like to me. 980 or something and then so then the oven goes 980 and it's like deet, 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 and then it like pops open and the turkey's burnt and they're like oh no dad not again who who wants pizza <laughs> so yeah it's a cheesy ride but it's uh but it's fun it's it's adorable. Um, so, you know what? There's a lot of uses for this space, and I hope that those listening make sure to take the time to go on this. It might not be the most thrilling, might not be the most exciting, but there's so much heart here. It makes me happy. So either if you want to feel nostalgic, if you want air conditioning, if you want a nap, all of those are great excuses to go to the Carousel of Progress. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and who knows how much longer they'll keep it around. It seems like probably a, a while, but I it also so. feels like one of those ones that they could easily just kind of decide one year to fade away with and there won't be a big uproar like there would be with Mr. Toad. Um, I feel like this would have a bigger, I don't know. I don't think so. I think people would be bummed, but I don't think people would be like protesting trying to keep it. Yeah. And in between each one of those scenes, the transition is our great, big, beautiful tomorrow. That's kind of where the song kind of comes in. Yeah. Um, and then the final it... act, the family is singing it. Right. Um, which is the first time that we see that. And, and instead of it just being father and then us using the scrims to light up different rooms so that we're seeing different scenes from the other rooms, this one, all of the characters are in one room together. Right. Um, and there's some cool people that uh, that have voiced some of these uh, actors or voice some of these animatronics in here as well. Some voices you might recognize from other things, Kelly. Yes. Oh, I think that these voices are super cool. So the current voice of father is Gene Shepard, and he um, you might recognize because he's the narrator of A Christmas Story. Yeah. The previous voice of father is Rex Allen, and he is now the voice of grandpa, and they use some of the original dialogue of father from the 1964 version, which is, you know, that, well, back in my day scene, and then the you know Trish is like, oh come on, Grandpa. Yeah. Like you're so old. Mm-hmm. And then the grandma in Act Four is Janet Waldo, who, this is so fitting, uh, we wouldn't have had to look up what year it was if we had read this. Um, is the voice of Judy Jetson on the 1960s popular cartoon The Jetsons. Daughter Judy. And then Debbie Derryberry. What a fantastic last name. That is a great last name. Um, She's the voice of Jimmy Neutron. Oh, that's exciting. I I have hair like him. You do have hair like him. But uh, you need to shape the beard to be a Jimmy Neutron. I like that both of those are very futuristic um, shows. (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. They're like, oh, we need to. I've got a brand and it's playing the voice of someone that is in the future. (laughs) You know who you sound like? Someone in the future. You should be. (laughs) Look for, look for jobs like that. <laughs> uh, the biggest voice of all is our dear cousin slash Uncle Orville, depending on which version you're watching. And his name is Mel Blank. And he is known for being the voice of Bugs Bunny. There you go. That's about as iconic as you can get. Yeah, I remember that, everybody who thinks I'm an Uncle Orville. I like that these actors have these other hidden uh, talents and other characters they've played. Um, you know what my favorite thing that's hidden is? Uh, oh, I do. Speaking of hidden. Yay! Speaking hidden of hidden. Mickey's. 
yes, hey, high five me. Um, except I won't high five because Will will get mad that it'll make a loud noise on the mic. That's um, true. <laughs> something I just learned is that Hitamikis didn't come about until the 80s when they were developing Epcot. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, because I saw that they only have Hidden Mickeys uh, in the Disney World version. So I guess that makes sense then, right? Since that was like when it was going to be there because they wouldn't yeah. have had they, Hidden they Mickeys before. Yeah, they didn't have any before. I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Um, so the first Hidden Mickey that you'll see is in Act 3 when Patricia's using her workout machine and there's a sorceress, like there's like a witch hat, sorcerer hat. And um, it's supposed, it, it has the um, stars and the moon representing. Like Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey. Yeah, representing yeah. Sorcerer Mickey. And it's of the 40s, so it's the right time period. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, the last scene, um, there's actually a good amount. There's a nutcracker on the fireplace. There is a plush peeking out from a present. And there is a white pepper mill on the kitchen counter. And then in the back of the room is an abstract painting along the dining room wall, which is really cool. Like once you see it, it is a Sorcerer Mickey, uh, but it's oh, very abstract. Cool. I and like that those ones seem like a little bit more in your face. Um, but it, and it's fitting. Like it. Right. It works. It, I believe this family would have those things. There's a couple ones that aren't Mickey, but I think are super cool um, about this ride. So in the first scene, there's Robins outside of the window, and they're the same Robins used in the movie Mary Poppins. I don't I know think. if I've seen that movie. What? I feel like I have, but I definitely Holy don't remember the Robins. Holy crap. You need to watch Mary Poppins like right now. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do the rest. You get out of here. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, it's wonderful. One of the details that I liked, um, one of the like Easter eggs that I liked, um, was I always think it's fun when like inside work jokes make it to something and they have that in, in here. Uh, there's a cork board wall in the final scene and there's a little note tacked up on it that says Marty called once changes. And apparently that refers to an Imagineer, Marty Sklar, uh, the former head of Walt Disney Imagineering, um, and was added in during the refurbishment. I mean, I, I assume because they would often say, you know, Marty, Marty called. He's got changes he wants to make. So they, I love they threw that. that in there. I think that's cute. The other thing on the uh, cork board was uh, it said grandparents are due to fly on flight number 1964 obviously referring to the opening of the world's fair i also love that rex allen is the voice of grandpa and he's og father that's true yeah so So there is some sort of like yeah i like that and then obviously there's one huge one that we'd be remiss uh not to mention and i won't steal your thunder thank you i was a little nervous you were going to i could see your face (gasps) so most importantly We've talked about animatronics before and how Disney is known for reusing some of these face molds. Um, Some of the characters from uh, the Hall of Presidents will go over to Spaceship Earth. Well, the grandma that is seen in Act 1 in a rocking chair is the same grandma in the ballroom scene in a rocking chair in Haunted Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, here's my question. So in what we're establishing here is a world where the grandma in the 1900s later goes on to haunt the Haunted Mansion. Oh, that's totally what I think. That makes sense. It's all just one big universe. I got you. Because that's Walt's uh, retirement home for ghosts. True. (laughs) 
Um, cool. Yeah, those are some fun things to look for. Um, and I'm sure there's like a lot of other little tiny details that you can notice. Uh, oh, I mean, and you're on oh, the ride for you're on you're watching the show for 20 minutes. There's plenty of time to absorb a lot of it. Yeah, there's a lot going on on the stage. A lot of the um, set and scenery is original. So look for those pieces because that is pretty cool. But there's a lot to look at and entertain yourself. I, I think that this is an important ride to keep alive. I agree. I think it's important to make some changes to it, too. But we'll get to that after everyone's favorite segment, Disney on Yelp. Um, okay, so Carousel of Progress uh, on Yelp. This is a three-star review coming from Marie S. out of Arlington, Virginia. She has 43 reviews and 19 photos. Does not have a profile picture. Hmm. <clears throat> this wins the award for creepy attractions. It's even creepier than It's a Small World, and that's hard to beat. You watch several family life scenes about how great life in that era is. Each set in a family kitchen and filled with corny stereotypes like mom ironing and dad drinking sarsaparilla. We, I'm sorry, Mar- Marie. We established that it is not sarsaparilla. It is, in fact, Wait, it's root, root beer. beer now. Then each one ends with a bad rendition of the theme song about a wonderful tomorrow. Ugh. It's not just the creepy animatronics, which I personally have never liked, but also the incredibly dated, old-fashioned view of quote-unquote progress. I hated this attraction. I wish I hadn't (laughs) seen it. Three stars out of five. I feel like my face is like beet red. Oh. I think, you know, giving it three stars uh, after that experience um, (laughs) is still pretty generous there, Marie. Oh, my God. Yeah, that sounds like a negative one star to me. Right, right. Um, um, one, one of our best friends has like a giant fear of animatronics. And so I feel like this ride would just be her nightmare. There's definitely some uncanny valley to this whole thing where it's like, this feels a little, I don't know. The the animatronics on it are uh, a little weird looking. I, I, Marie's not entirely wrong on the creepiness factor of yeah, it. Um, I, but it's, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. There's some, look, there's problems. There's problems with everything. But we're going we're gonna to focus on the positive here. One of the problems, as I said, I'm going to focus on the positive. One of the things is this has not been updated since 1993. We could use some updates. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that now. We'll jump into those final questions. What would you okay. change about this ride? Uh, oh, update it a lot. What would you update? Maybe what the typical American family looks like. Yeah. Um, maybe some of the story keep the song definitely keep the song um i don't know instead of having it be like maybe keep like two like go from the turn of the century to the 40s and then have like two new ones that'd be cool and and honestly the um the technology piece of what they have for 2000s uh, in the most recent update isn't that's not that far off like we're still kind of in the world of automated kitchen stuff and lights changing with by voice control and virtual reality so that part doesn't feel so dated for me it's what you said there is like the quote-unquote typical american family is is a very limited scope in kind of what they're showing us and i know that wasn't the you know point of it when they were originally establishing it but i think it could really uh, benefit from having more diversity um, in not just like uh, background or um, or race, 
but like lifestyle, right? Like I would like to yeah, see right. like, you know, each each scene we're seeing here is like dad, patriarch of the family, you know, and mom's doing work in the kitchen or whatever. And like, just show me kind of show me more about what we've what we have like evolved to um, and show me what, what's more kind of real with sort of what our world looks like now. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, it would be cool to see like what the future, you know, we, we've been focusing. We did like 2000s. It's like, all right, let's go further. Let's do like 2060. What's that going to look like? Who knows? Well, Just one big screen. Imagineers, get on it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, but let's keep going with our other questions. So uh, you are in Walt Disney World and you are on your way out of the park. You see there's a 10-minute wait to get on Carousel of Progress. Are you going to do it? Well, that's a kind of a long wait for this. Um, it's that's the, good to know. It's the end of the day. Oh, that might, 20 minutes is long. That that would be my thought. It's like, you know. If it had a 10-minute wait throughout the day, it's great. It's especially great during a hot summer day to come and take a break. But the end of the day, 20 minutes, I'm going to, it's going to make me exhausted since I am just sitting and it's a show. Yeah, it's uh, and you tend to leave these parks pretty late, like so as like, late as possible. Right. So we're saying like at a, a twenty minute sitting in an air conditioned dark room uh, watching the show. Um, that if I'm there, I'm gonna feel pretty sleepy and be like, like I should just cut this and get to the car so I can drive. Um, but it does seem like it would be a great thing to break up your day. Um, so that is the question. Is this is this something you try to hit every time, or is it just kind of the like when I feel like I need uh, to chill out and I want to go do it in a fun way? I'll check out the Carousel of Progress. I'd say we off, you know, when we go to Disney World, we usually do go on it at least you know once per trip, um, and it is a perfect middle of the day activity um, to break everything up. But um, it's it's not necessarily like the highlight. It is, but it is usually, you know, we usually spend a week there, so you have some time. Okay, so it's like for you, it's not an everyday uh, attraction, but it is a probably Every one trip. time during your trip you're going to go on it. That yes. makes sense. To me, it seems like the kind of thing that I would want to hit up on day two or three of a uh, of a trip to Disney World. Um, it's not going to be the thing like if I do go back to Disney World at some point, uh, it's not going to be the one that I'm going to be like, oh, I definitely I got to hit that. but but i would also be pretty bummed if they took it away so you know maybe yeah maybe it's a complicated feeling there i'm like well (laughs) you don't want to lose it but you don't it's not a priority um i gotcha yeah i think i i think that we we are have done a lot of walt disney so thank you for listening to walt disney's carousel of progress yeah I think we have some exciting stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, actually to round out the year too. Um, an episode I'm particularly excited about uh, is coming next week. The number episode it is might give you a little clue. Might be important. Uh, I, yeah, I'm excited too. Um, we have a lot to look forward to. We're very thankful for all of you. Thank you for um, your continued support and for continuing to engage with us. I We love hearing from you. Um, these emails are great. Yeah, if you want to reach out to us, you can do it over social media on Facebook and Instagram at Slice of Disney or on Twitter at Slice underscore of underscore Disney. 
And you can email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. Please reach out because we love it. Yeah, check out the Instagram. We started posting little clips there from the episodes and we'll, and like little pictures from other areas. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, look at pictures that I made Will take with me. They're adorable. <laughs> sure. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. There's also going to be a little share button there. So click that and send it to a friend that also likes Disney. Yes, please. That would mean the world to us as we continue to grow our little slice of Disney family. All right. I hope you all have a great week. And we will talk to you soon. Okay, bye.